are listening to Think Funny with Aaron Donnelly, Nate Sadler, and Matt Donnelly. For show notes and to check out Aaron's books, please visit AaronDonnelly.com. And now, the show that only thinks it's funny, the Think Funny Podcast. Welcome to the Think Funny Podcast. This is Aaron Donnelly. I am here with my co-host, Nate Sadler. Hey, everybody. And Matt Donnelly. Hi, fellas. You guys have any highs or lows you want to talk about? Well, it's something uh, weird happened to me again. I never have a high yeah. or low. It's just weird stuff. <laughs> you live in Florida. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I was uh, you know, just sitting there eating some uh, Wendy's, and uh, a guy like is staring at me, and I, and I see his lips moving. I'm thinking, oh, great. Here we go. You know, So I'm making eye contact, and then I realize he's not talking to me. He's not talking to anyone else he's talking to himself but you know that's a big fun of the you know the um those with schizophrenia but at times they are funny and so i was trying to listen to him what he's talking about and he, he was really angry about his nordic track and the democrat <laughs> classic so I, I envisioned him like like exercising on his Nordic track, watching uh, watching uh, the news, a- angrily yelling at the Democrats, and then his Nordic track breaks, and he gets oh, even more man. angry. So I wanted to engage him about it, but then I thought maybe he'd blame me for breaking his Nordic track. I had a good time in Colorado. My biggest takeaway is uh, it's just a different world for an Iowa boy like me. It's, uh, you know, you got your uh, legalized marijuana and that's pretty much on every street corner. And just it just to me was humorous, just uh, noticing all the the differences between uh, Iowa and a place like that. You know, it's a completely different world. It's like Matt, when um, I went to Iowa after being gone for a while, I remember commenting to Jim that they don't have that many they don't have toilet seat covers like in the airports and stuff, at least not at the time. Right. And his response was, well, there's not as much AIDS out here in Iowa. <laughs> I was like, that's wrong on a lot on a couple of levels. <laughs> do you guys do you guys hassle with the toilet seat covers? Usually? Oh no. I, I take no. one off to wipe the seat just in case or something yes. else. That's what I do. Yes, that's and as far I, as it goes. Or I or I do some pee socking. Yeah. <laughs> it's just skin to skin. It's no different than me putting my hand on the stall door. Uh, that is the grossest feeling though, when you forget to check and you sit and you can feel that you just sat in it. That is yeah. the worst feeling because it's too I late. Think, I think worse is, this is probably going to be graphic, but the dollop, if something splashes <laughs> into the toilet water and it goes back up and gives you the, <laughs> then you've just gotten internalized with toilet water uh, uh, and a, a bidet of some kind. I, I, yeah. I once saw a, uh, a thing that had like all the terminology of going to the bathroom. And I think that's called the Hiroshima <laughs> when it like uh, mushroom clouds back up into uh, that area. Yeah. That's why you want yeah. the toilet seat cover because it's got that little flap. Oh, you're right. Yes. It does. It's it got does. like a little <laughs> ramp down. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So that, could, that could provide a barrier. I just thought I'd start writing down, you know, thoughts again, maybe as the week goes by. I listen to a lot of uh, true crime pro- podcasts. Almost all of them focus around like a murdered girl, right? But one consistency between all of the victims is that they can light up a room. I don't know if you guys have heard that, but yeah, yeah. every time I, mean, I just wait for it now. I wait for the victim's family or somebody to say she lit up a room. So if you're if you're a girl and you can light up a room, you should be careful out there. They're never uh, described as a miserable son of a bitch. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and the a nasty always, woman. 
Yeah, in a way that it's in some small town. It's a it's a close tight knit community, and I've I've like seen uh, or followed stories of murders in towns that I know are not close tight knit communities. They're like run down, you know, bad places to live, and they always say it was a tight knit bedroom community, that kind of thing. Aaron, I think your town's a little bit bigger than mine, but it's yeah. about fifteen hundred people, and people are like, oh, you live. No out one there. ever thought it could happen there. Yep. And and everybody knows everybody. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you think it could happen? Anything could happen there, Nate. Before something happens, let's verify. Oh hell Did yeah! Of course, at any moment. <laughs> Everyone but Nate thought it couldn't happen there. <laughs> and I'm sure in my neighborhood, somebody's getting murdered right now. I, it doesn't <laughs> surprise me. I'm not surprised. <laughs> Did not surprise anyone. <laughs> uh, I thought. Uh, you know, this is completely random, but you know how uh, well people are starting to play Christmas music now. Jenny was starting to play it in the car and. Yeah, yeah. Elvis song came out and I thought, you know how things are like, I always love the courage of people to test things that are funny and then they do it for so long that they're not funny and then they become funny again. You know what I'm talking about? Like Guilty as charged. (laughs) Yeah. Nate, Nate, you know what I'm talking about. But what if I mumbled an entire Elvis Christmas album with like professional background and instead of Elvis, you just mumbled like Elvis the whole time? Like, <laughs> like it would be funny at first and then become really unfunny and then Are, get really funny. Wait, so would they be actual words that you're mumbling or yeah, just like, <laughs> so just your unintelligible mumbling? Yeah. And then sometimes you just really bear down into a chorus, but it'd all be mumbling, you know? Yes. But know. they're real Are, songs. Yeah. Real songs. Yeah. Oh God. With, uh, I'm with background singers. Take yeah. my money. I'm back in this project. <laughs> Think funny. Think, think funny. So today's topic is uh, the Hong Kong protests. I didn't know a ton about it, and I was glad we picked it because it was fascinating to research um, the background and the history. Well, maybe uh, you start with the history and kind of what sets the scene. You know, I think it kind of begins when the British Empire took over uh, Hong Kong uh, back in 1842 uh, as a result of uh, winning the first Opium War. So Britain got a taste for tea. Obviously, they love tea. The only country in the world that was producing a large volume of it was China. China would say, okay, we'll give you all the tea you want, but we only want silver bars in exchange for this tea. We don't want anything else. We want silver. So Britain gave China all the silver that it had. It ran out of silver. And so then what the country of England did was they started selling truck or boatloads of opium to China in exchange for silver that they would then give back to them for tea. China found out this was happening and they sunk some of those boats and uh, Britain declared war on China. Because it was an important port for the British Empire, they wanted to to get some additional uh, what were called the new territories, and so they they signed a lease with China in 1898, 99 year lease, which meant that on July 1st, 1997, Hong Kong would be handed over from British Empire to China. Because and, when they negotiated the takeover, um, it was negotiated uh, based on certain rules that Hong Kong would fall under, which would be different than how China operates as a communist nation. Right. The one country, two systems pledge. So some of those rules include similar freedoms that we have here. Right. They um, have a uh, freedom of the press, for instance, uh, freedom of assembly, which, uh, you know, is, you know, gives them the right to do these protests in the first place. They can drive on the left side of the road, which is very important. <laughs> they can they play have, cricket. Yeah, they can play cricket. And then in 2047, it said, okay, there's 50 years for it to sort of be in this weird middle area. 
a gray area and to have these freedoms. By then, you should have it figured out and it will return to full China. It will basically be internalized fully into China. And so Hong Kong is in this weird state of there's a deadline as to when they're going to be fully governed by China, which China itself is a communist nation. The leader, Xi Jinping, got rid of term limits, so he's basically the emperor for life at this point. They have extreme censorship over the internet and over freedom of speech. Their judiciary is likely corrupt. Um, They arrest people for beliefs. And then I also heard that they have a system whereby they judge their residents um, on a point system on a list. Have you guys heard that? I've heard about this. I don't know really the details of it. but Something like if you say you smoke in public, you'll get points against you. If you are seen as negative towards the government, you get points against you. And then they keep this list of untrustworthy people that have these points. Any government that's doing that throughout history, has it always has ended badly. You know, there's always been horrible things that have been happening in the behind the scenes that we found out later. So then sort of what got into this situation that we're in right now, it actually started with a murder. Yeah, the, the guy that murdered uh, his girlfriend or something. Yeah, yeah, he murdered his girlfriend in Taiwan. Could she light up um, a room? <laughs> you probably could. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He discovered that she could light up a room and then summarily murdered her. And then a <laughs> podcast joined in after that. So um, anyway, Taiwan, uh, the China doesn't recognize Taiwan as a nation. So there's no extradition uh, policy between them. And so it kind of put this murderer in this weird gray area. And so Lam in Hong Kong, she produced a bill that would allow him to be extradited to Taiwan. But in that bill, it also said that people from Hong Kong could also be extradited to mainland China for perceived crimes that, that China says people have done. And so this could include protesters, people that speak out against the Chinese government. Anyone like that that's living in Hong Kong could potentially be forced to be extradited to mainland China and from there, who knows, disappear into the jail system. It's, it's it's a little it's a, vague. That's what I don't yeah. like. Is it just that particular case you're talking about started that and it felt like they're just trying to bootleg this through like, oh, and also this. Anybody at any time for any reason we want to extradite. Because if you end up going to mainland China, you're never going to be seen from again. They, they will claim that it's not, that <clears throat> there are specific guidelines that mainland China has to prove or whatever. But no one in Hong Kong trusts mainland China and their government. That it's not going to be just a thing where, all right, now here's the list of everyone that protested, ship them over, and they're not seen from again. You know, like the Tiananmen Square uh, protests, uh, for example, the guy that stood in front of the tank, he's never been seen again. That's the fear. They're kind of fighting for life and death to some degree. They're protesting for it. The setup of the government in Hong Kong is weird, too. One of the conditions that the 1997, you know, sort of new government set up was that ultimately they would have, what do they call it, um full suffrage universal suffrage universal suffrage yeah because in hong kong now only about half of the legislature is voted on directly by the public and the other half is is representatives from industries so insurance company industry health industry other industries hold senate seats essentially here the leader of the government is chosen by committee which is highly influenced by mainland china so what you end up with is you have half of the people get voted in because the public wanted it, and those most of those people are uh, pro-democracy. You have the other half of the legislature, which is selected as, as part of the business community. 
all of those people, almost all of those are pro-China because it's advantageous for them to be pro-China in the business community if you're in Hong Kong. It's sort of a setup, uh, not a true democracy. And the chief executive, Carrie Lam, she's selected by an election committee. Right. And the committee is heavily influenced by mainland China and select probably they're selected by mainland China is my guess. The the stuff I've heard from her, she's been very condescending to the protesters, and that certainly does not help matters to... I think at worst, she should act like she's diplomatic and in between and not yeah. completely in China's pocket. Well, she did pull back or suspend the bill, and the protesters said that's not enough. You have to completely remove the bill. And just in, I think it was the end of October, um, they finally removed the bill. So that bill is no longer on the table. But there are other objectives that the protesters want to see. The five demands. Yeah. Do you guys have a list of the five demands there? Yeah, I got the list here. First demand is that they want Popeye's chicken sandwich. Uh, (laughs) Don't we all? They want the uh, Impossible Whopper. Uh, they want their they MTV. Want, they want uh, shorter lines at Hong Kong Disneyland. No. I want the Impossible Whopper to have, have low calories. That's my demand. <laughs> I know. It's like, what's the point? Yeah. yeah. I have a real list here. Um, yeah. One, well, you mentioned the universal suffrage. So that, that'd be one of them. Um, the second one would be resignation of Carrie Lam. The third one would be the release and, and full exoneration of any of the protesters that they have in custody right now, which I think is about 4,000 people. And they're, they've fought that tooth and nail. They say that they are violating the law and they will not budge on that. So mm-hmm. that's that's going to be a difficult one. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the fourth one is they want an independent commission to investigate improper police behavior. And then finally, they want um, a retraction of the categorization of the protests as being riots because they, they've been called riots and terrorism and all kinds of things. So they want Mm-hmm. They want a formal. They want a formal acknowledgement that it is a valid protest, not a right. The most recent developments is, of course, that bill was removed, and I think this just this week they canceled college uh, classes. Yes, uh, uh, so for all the students. Students got got out of final exams, which I'm sure they they loved. Yeah, uh, and they, I saw today that they removed they the uh, the U.S. universities and other world universities that have exchange programs. They've told all of their students, they demanded all their students to leave and go back to their home country. That's probably wise. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just within the last few weeks, their their economy's officially been declared in recession and their credit rating got cut for the first time ever. Hong Kong's usually been acknowledged as kind of the global powerhouse that is always kind of in a bullish market and it's definitely, you know, come to a standstill economically historically hong kong under british rule developed and became the powerhouse of china for uh, its economic presence so i think at one point it was like 30 percent of china's gdp Mm. Um, and now that china has become an economic powerhouse in its own right it's down to like three percent of its gdp so its importance in the overall you know to china is a lot less and it makes china i think more aggressive to try and basically step in and and take over before the 2047. i know at one point they they made it illegal for you to wear a mask 
in Hong Kong because they had camera, um, you know, facial identification cameras as well operating, trying to identify the protesters. And so they tried to make it illegal to wear a mask. Um, Well, some of the protesters have been disappearing, like the leadership level people. I think they found a body of uh, one of the female leaders. They found her body in the bay there. And then I don't know if you guys saw the video this week of two protesters being shot. Pretty eye opening. The fact that stuff like that is not being shared in the mainstream, like that video should have been one of the top stories on the world news. But, you know, it's just kind of buried on Twitter. I kind of wonder. And not to bring this back to us, but with all the drama with Trump and all the chaos, one thing it does is it absorbs the news cycle and it doesn't allow for important things around the world necessarily to get the attention they deserve. So there's side effects to the chaos that's that's surrounding Trump, I think. I don't know about you guys, but I just get so like just numb and burned out on every story I scroll through on Twitter is Trump. Trump Trump did this, Trump did that. That's fine. It's it's an important story, but there's other things going on in the world. And, you know, I think more Americans need to be aware of what's going on in Hong Kong and throw their support behind what's going on in Hong Kong for what they're fighting for and how they're being treated. So it's a true like moment in history that I I wasn't so aware of. I've honestly been more focused on Trump myself. But this is like a real moment that real people are out there risking their lives and livelihoods for democracy. Well, here's what you get into when anything like this happens is it drags on and then it becomes more gray. So at first, peaceful protesters wanting democracy, and you're like, yeah, let's definitely support that. They get more fed up over time because nothing changes. And then you start to see some outliers get violent. And then things start to turn to where it's like, well, yeah, the police have a right to stop that violence. And the police overreach and the protesters get even more aggressive. It's kind of like uh, like the the riots in L.A. Yes. Like, right. I think that there was definite um, racism in the L.A. police department. But then when you see someone breaking into an electronic store to steal a TV, it makes you a lot less sympathetic to the, you know, it kind of grays and muddies the waters as far as people's understanding of it. And I just kind of think it might be heading that way in Hong Kong. You know, I guess uh, one protester has been accused of throwing a brick and hitting a guy in the head and killing him. Setting a, sending a guy on fire who's in critical condition. And, and I'm sure you guys would agree that that guy should be arrested and face whatever proper punishment is for that. Oh, you absolutely. Know, there's, there's no excuse for that. But peaceful protesters from the videos I have seen to be agitated by the police and the riot police, then they react to yeah. that. You know, yeah. there's a there's a action and a reaction there. The first action I usually see is from the, those riot police. Just going back to the original protests, I just the the, the camera shots of what was it up to two million protesters, yeah. even in the rain, just having their umbrellas out, and it was just such an awesome sight just to see all those peaceful protesters. I mean, two million people—that is amazing. It is. I, you it's know insane. what, Matt? I I can picture that moment. I saw that on TV, and I felt the same way. Like you just said, it was awesome. Like I love watching people fighting for freedom or their rights. They're not hurting anybody. They're not, you know, causing civil disruption. They're just out there and they just, they're fighting for their democracy. Now, China 
has recently started to sort of propagate that the United States or other countries are involved with supporting the protesters. Some of the protesters are carrying American flags or singing our national anthem. China is saying that they're organized more strongly and have more, I guess, uh, supplies or whatever than they should without help from another, like a foreign government, that the CIA is somehow involved with supporting the protesters. I just, it's possible. I mean, they're but they're still throwing Molotov cocktails as far as I can see. So mm. it's not like uh, we're providing arms to uh, you know army or anything. They're, they're providing their own feces to throw. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> we're not, we're yeah. not shipping in any, any feces for them. To throw. Hey, we got to fill up those empty containers with something. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I heard someone describe it as it's the first battle in the new cold war. Yeah. Hmm. It reminds me a lot of a cold war situation where we, would back or support someone in an area that to prevent communism from taking it over. Do you guys see this having a peaceful resolution or do you think it's going to, because China has already made threats that they'll send in the, whatever the PLA or whatever the people's army is. And they, I guess they have about 18,000 troops stationed right across on the mainland. So, so say they do there, it would obviously, they would win. They would stop the protests. They would, you know, implement, you know, rule. What should, what should our government's response be to that? I don't we, think it would be a response. There'd probably be a non, non-binding resolution just to just to say, oh, we we disagree with what China's doing, but no, no, right. put no teeth in it. It seems like China has gotten so big economically that they kind of do what they want, and then say, hey, if you don't like it, don't do business with us. That's they don't need us anymore. I mean, they've become a middle to upper middle class country, and they've turned Africa into their China. You know, they have their goods made in Africa, or you know, they're building factories and all kinds of infrastructure in Africa to become their version of our China. They have the whole rest of the world to sell to. They don't. They don't. We're not as important to them as we used to be. I did see that there's two senators. Uh, that are proposing a bill um, called the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act. But at this point, it's just a proposal um, but it, that it would require the Secretary of State to annually certify that Hong Kong has retained their autonomy. So mm. whatever that means, but it, at this point, it's just a proposal uh, from Senator Republican Senators Reich and Rubio. Nate, have you ever participated in a protest? Um... In at Jefferson, there was ringworm in the wrestling room. <laughs> Matt, were you in my gym class? No, Sherm? luckily, Mr. Like, Sherm. I didn't have ringworm. It wasn't me. Okay. So they wanted us to go play dodgeball in there, and everybody had heard the rumor that there was ringworm in the dodgeball room on the wrestling mats. <laughs> so nobody wanted to do it. So we said, "No, we're not doing it." That's the biggest protest I've ever been in. <laughs> But and you won. You successfully. Uh, yeah, we didn't. We did not end up playing uh, dodgeball up there, and we did not get Hong Kong. Take note. We did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lessons learned. You need people like me, but you know what? If I if I lived in a place like that, I, I would love to get involved. Yeah, that's the thing too. Is I I've never I've never joined a protest, but I've always felt like I've never either never been in a place the right place to do it or or a big enough issue to do it because it, you take a big risk when you when you go out there especially if you're marching or when you know people can identify you um you know socially or you know other ways right. uh, or there's violence there's violence against protesters so i just haven't had that moment where i felt called to do that i did i did want to take a stand when uh when Trump got elected people were starting dumpster fires in my town and uh, oh, no. They were melting my plastic dumpsters, 
And uh, I don't know how I would get my point across that, hey, I appreciate your freedom of speech. Please don't melt my dumpsters. (laughs) (laughs) Did you dumpster fire to someone else's dumpster? I'm not trying to be the man here, you know, putting a thumb down on you, but could you not burn our dumpsters? For some reason, I always picture Oregon like it's always 50 degrees and kind of a drizzle. Doesn't matter time of year. There's trees everywhere. 50% 50% of the people are playing hacky sack. I have a hacky sack on my kitchen counter right now. I bet you do. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> a standard, standard issue when you move. And Me and Jenny bought one. Uh, we saw one in a store about a couple of weeks ago. We bought one and we play it every once in a while now. And, uh, the other thing is I picture like wherever you go, like when you wake up and you get in your car and you drive to wherever you're going, there's going to be a protest. Like somebody in mm-hmm. Oregon is protesting something. Yeah, I see it a lot. I'll give I'll give a hawk to my horn sometimes as I yeah. drive by. I remember when I was living uh, living in Oregon, uh, I think it was that Occupy movement yeah. about it, but they occupied Eugene and yeah. under, the, under the bridge, they had a drum circle going like continually for like 24 yeah. hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. awesome because I walk out for a break and uh, I... You know, I'd hear the drum circle, lighten up my day a little bit. It, so, Matt, yeah. it would have been awesome if like you would have gone down to the drum circle and just kind of quietly joined in. And then people are like, hey, man, that's cool that you support the cause. And you're like, no, I just like the music. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, now back yeah. to work. Sorry. Back to yeah. work for the man. I actually was, I think I tell you guys I was in New York City when Occupy New York's Occupy uh, Wall Street started like the day it started. Uh-uh. I didn't know what it was. I just walked, I was just walking by the park where it was on Wall Street. And I was like, is it? Because in my mind, I'd never been to New York before. I thought it was like that all the time. I was like, this is insane. How come I haven't heard about this? <laughs> you know. So I, I, I gave my phone, um, we finally found out what it was. And I went up to somebody, I go, hold my phone, video, record me for a second. And then I, I stood like kind of in the middle of everything. And I raised my arms and I yelled, I love George W. Bush. <laughs> <laughs> Which I didn't necessarily. I just thought it was funny to do, and like uh, everyone around me just like paused and like stared at me. Yeah. Then I got out of there. And then you had video of uh, the beating you received for the <laughs> for the trial. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening to the Think Funny podcast. For Aaron Donnelly, Matt Donnelly, I'm Nate Sadler. Thanks for listening.
Oh, oh, oh. 